Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. So happy to have you here. So yeah, this week we're doing part two of our Majesty of the Sea show. Uh, I just got back from a three-night cruise, and I had a listener, Kristen Ladwig from St. Louis, interview me about the experience about the ship. So we'll talk about that a little later on in the program. Uh, Before we hop here to Stewart, let's talk about uh, the Cruise Radio Insider Facebook page. We'd love to have you on there. Just search Cruise Radio Insider on Facebook, and we'll add you to the group there and uh, talk about some cruise news and what Stewart talks about and all that. So with that said, he's back after six weeks. Stewart, she were on the Cruise Guy. What's up, Stewart? Hey, Doug. Doing great yourself? Good, bud. So the big news last week, Carnival Corpse brand Fathom is going to Cuba. Both you and I were both on NPR last week talking about it. So let's listen to that clip right now. Here's a sure sign that relations are really thawing between Washington and Havana. Carnival Cruises has received permission from the U.S. government to take passengers to Cuba. NPR Sam Sanders has the story. These trips will not be traditional cruises. It's not your grandma's and grandpa's cruise. The ship they're deploying will not have casinos in it at all. That's Doug Parker. He hosts Cruise Radio, his own podcast all about cruises. There are no casinos because these trips to Cuba will only be allowed if they serve a higher purpose, like educational activities or aid projects. Carnival says its Cuba trips will provide cultural, artistic, faith-based, and humanitarian exchanges. I'm seeing a lot of mission work, church groups, colleges who do mission trips, local organizations. It'd be easy to look at this as a gimmick. Do you really need to ride a cruise ship to do good around the world? Stuart Sheeran is the CEO of CruiseGuy.com, and he says some people might. There's a lot of people that don't want to sleep in a tent, and they don't want to eat you know, very, very bad food, and they don't want to be in unsafe surroundings. If the Cuban government gives the okay, Carnival says it will start making trips to Cuba in May of 2016. Sam Sanders, NPR News. So what are your thoughts on this, Stuart? Well, I think it's going to help uh, improve the success potential for Fathom tenfold. It's, it's a great move. Uh, it's just an opportunity that kind of fell in their lap. They took advantage of it. They had the perfect ship for it, uh, which is Adonia. And uh, it'll be a nice, uh, I mean, they're already working on programs for the Dominican Republic. So for them to put together some person-to-person and different uh, cultural exchanges on board Fathom to go to Cuba, it's a great move. But yeah. some of the catches are that they will not be able to sail to other countries when they do Cuba. So essentially when they do those seven-night cruises from Miami, they can only do Cuban ports. They can't go to Haiti or their private island in the Bahamas or, or anything else. Uh, it's strictly Cuba. They've identified, I believe, it's 11 ports. Mm-hmm. Uh, around around the island that uh, they'll be able to visit, and I think there's going to it's going to stir up some uh, a lot of excitement for for people that want to see Cuba in that kind of a context, but also see it before everybody else does before you know it may become a little too commercialized. Okay, so when Fathom is going through the DR, you know they can either choose to do volunteerism or they can lay on the beach if they want. No one's like no one has to do volunteer work, but in Cuba it's a different story. Well, I would tell you in the Dominican Republic, I mean, that's the reason why they're there. So you're going to have people that, that want to be able to donate their time. They're not going to spend, uh, you know, $1,600 to start, for example, to just go uh, with all these programs mm-hmm. and not take advantage of it. I mean, they can go on another cruise, and if they just want to hang out, it's going to be significantly less money. This is about the experience. Going to Cuba 
it's it's about a person-to-person exchanges. So there's going to be all kinds of cultural activities that are pre-planned that will be included in the cost of the cruise. Okay. So there, there are two distinctly different packages or, or programs. But what's also nice is that people can actually combine to do a 14-night cruise, do the Dominican Republic, and then go to Cuba. What are your thoughts on the price point being about $1,000 difference? Well, it's, I think there are going to be two different programs. And in speaking with Arnold Donald when I was in New York, uh, you know, just you know, the last, yesterday, that uh, there's a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknown costs. Uh, the Cubans can come back with all kinds of taxes, and you know, they, they just don't know. So they had to put the price somewhere. And uh, also putting all these programs and literature together, is, and, and including all these excursions, uh, it's, it's not going to be inexpensive. Okay, very good. Moving on here, Royal Caribbean getting rid of dynamic dining. Now, dynamic dining, of course, rolled out on Quantum and Anthem of the Seas, where they got rid of the main dining room and added little dining venues. Uh, am I getting that correct, Stuart? You are, and, and that was on Quantum of the Seas, which, mm-hmm. as you know, is the most technologically advanced ship. And they thought that they would be able to take that concept where passengers could uh, essentially have all these different dining venues, and there's no main dining room. Uh, you have different dining rooms that you can move around to each night um, with, with your family and friends or whomever you're traveling with. But uh, Oasis of the Seas was supposed to be the first one. Uh, it was uh, back in October when the ship was in the shipyard. Uh, they did redesign the dining room to accommodate dynamic dining, but uh, apparently they had to pull back because it just wasn't working out, and then they apparently just, just gave up and said, uh, we're only going to do it on the quantum class ships. Uh, everything else is going back to, uh, to the way it was. Okay, now for the people who are booked, though, on the Oasis ship next year for dynamic dining already, how does that like play into? Well, they're going to be revert. They're going to revert to a uh, first or second seating, oh. just like everybody else. Speaking of dining, Norwegian Cruise Line announced this week that some of their specialty venues are going a la carte. Good or bad? I think the headline should be "Let the gouging begin." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's going to it's going to infuriate a lot of people because you know when you go to the steakhouse, you want to be hit for. Seventeen ninety nine to twenty nine ninety nine, and then your salads. Um, you're gonna, have, you know, four ninety nine for this and seven ninety five for that, and that's kind of what the dining was supposed. To, you know, these these nominal charges, which started at nominal and then went up to absurd, and I think they just they're trying to really stick it to the passengers with these additional charges by going a la carte, and I think a lot of people. I mean, you, you know, there's there's cruise lines like MSC who have done this. And, you know, you can go into their uh, pizza uh, restaurants where they do charge, like, what, $18, $19 for a pizza? Mm-hmm. And I think the only sound in there, uh, besides, the di- you know, hearing the dishes are crickets. There's nobody there. It's, you know, people don't want to be, you know, this is not about, you know, being nickel and dime for a salad or, you know, you know salads and sodas. And, you know, what, what are they going to charge for napkins next or in silverware? Mm-hmm. Um on a ship, I just think it's wrong. I mean, the passengers are already there. They feel they've already paid for their meals. I can understand a nominal charge or, you know, a reasonable charge. But to go to a la carte dining, I, I think it's you're really sticking it to the passengers. I'm unsure what planet they're on, but uh, I think that, uh, you know, hopefully before escape uh, happens that uh, they're, they're gonna, they'll They'll put the kibosh on this one. You just got back from New York City. What were you there for? Well, I was there for uh, to do TV and radio. Uh, Queen Mary 2 uh, completed her transatlantic sailing, which uh, commemorated and recreated the original Cunard sailing between Liverpool, went to Halifax, Boston, uh, and then as well as New York. So this, this finally ended in New York. Uh, this you know culminated 
their 175th anniversary, and uh, I was on hand um, to be there for the, you know, on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange for the ringing of the bell. And they had all every you know, president from all ten of the Carnival Cruise, uh, Carnival Corporation brands there, as well as uh, their senior executives from Carnival Corporation. So it was a quite a, a nice experience. And then last night we all met uh, at a big party at Battery Place, uh, Queen Mary Two. Uh, left Brooklyn, uh, came you know into uh, the Hudson Bay area, uh, circled around, and then uh, she put on a sound and light show, and then she sailed on her way. Nice. Uh, this so next... was a nice, uh, nice few days. So Celebrity Cruises announces their first female captain, I should say American female captain, but taking a step back, Cunard also has a female captain, right? They do have a female captain, and uh, but you know she's not American. Okay. And Doug, I think what a lot of people have uh, missed on this one is – She's only 37 years old. Yeah, wow. <laughs> uh, and um, I'm already told, Doug, that uh, Celebrity will not be having you aboard Celebrity <laughs> Summit, just in case you had uh, any uh, premonitions there. But it's a, it's pretty, I guess it's, it's very exciting you know, for female American to take the helm of a major cruise ship. Yeah. And, uh, you, know, uh, you know, big congratulations to her and the Celebrity for uh, acknowledging her efforts. Been talking with Stuart Shearer on The Cruise Guy. Find him online at cruiseguy.com or follow him on Twitter at cruiseguy. Thank you, man. Hey, Doug, my pleasure. Thanks. This is Cruise Radio. For over 42 years, Park West Gallery has introduced over 1.3 million people to fine art. Here's what actual customers are saying. I've been collecting with Park West five, six years now. Six years. Nine years. Ten years. Everybody we meet at Park West makes you feel comfortable. You're part of their family. It is an exciting and fun experience. It is enjoyable, uplifting. Park West has been so kind to us. Park West makes us excited to spend money on art. To find out more about Park West Gallery, visit parkwestgallery.com or go to cruiseradio.net and click on the Park West Gallery icon. Have a question for the experts? Or would you like to talk about your cruise or vacation experience, good or bad? Email comments at cruiseradio.net. We always like to get your reviews here on the show. If you have one you'd like to share, just email comments at cruiseradio.net. Going to change things up this week. Listener Kristen Ladwig is going to interview me about my cruise aboard Majesty of the Sea. So I'll go ahead and turn things over to Kristen. Hello, Kristen. Well, thanks, Doug. I appreciate the opportunity to turn the tables on you once again. <laughs> so first of all, let's let's start with why did you choose the itinerary and or the ship? Sure. Mm-hmm. So it was Majesty of the Seas. It was Royal Caribbean's cruise. A three-night sailing out of Miami. It went Friday to Monday. The reason why I picked it, honestly, is because I've been looking for a cruise all summer long, and they've been so expensive. But Carnival had a 12-hour sale, and that drug everybody else's prices down to the 199 range. So Royal Caribbean was the cheapest, so I just bought it and went. Well, that's a pretty hard price to beat, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean... I, I live five hours from Miami, so one ninety nine. You pay sixty bucks for parking. Still, it's not a bad deal. Definitely. Now, had you ever sailed Majesty of the Seas or any of her sister class ships? Yeah, so I've sailed. Uh, she's a sovereign class ship, and uh, for the folks who may not know about sovereign class, when the sovereign class was first launched in the eighties, it was the largest ship in the world. So I've sailed on Sovereign of the Seas and sister ship Monarch of the Seas. Both those ships are not with a fleet anymore. Uh, and this is my first time sailing Majesty. All right, so we're we're talking obviously a ship that's been around for a few years. How has it uh, held up? 
Yeah, so the ship came out in 1992, and you can definitely tell it's an older ship by modern-day standards, but it's not bad. I mean, it's it's what I would expect. Uh, you know, I didn't have high expectations for it because the ship was or is 23 years old, but mm-hmm. you know, the, the carpets look good, the upholstery looks good, the dining was there, everything was there, and it seemed to have all its moving parts. How do you think it compares to other ships that are doing similar itineraries in in the Bahamas? You know what? I mean, all those Bahamas ships are nothing but work dogs like Norwegian Sky or the Carnival Fantasy class ships and these mm-hmm. this Majesty of the Seas, the Sovereign class ships. So they're all the same to me. Okay. All right. So three-day Bahamas cruise. Typically, one would refer to those colloquially as the booze cruise. Mm-hmm. So did you find that that was indeed the kind of atmosphere on board the ship or were you surprised to, to find it different? It was, a, I would say, a mixed bag. There was a lot of South Americans on there. Uh, maybe it's their winter down there right now. I'm not really sure. But um, there was probably about 40% of the ship folks from Argentina, Brazil, and Chile. And hmm. then the rest were Americans. But uh, there was the rowdy college bunch, which was me 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> and then there was the families and the multi-generational travelers. So it was a mixed bag for sure. Okay. And you had two ports of call in this itinerary. The first was Coco Cay, which is Royal Caribbean's private island. I assume you've been there before. Yeah, it's been about seven years. Okay, so tell me what what were your thoughts about Coco Cay and maybe how it compares to some of the other cruise lines' private islands. I liked Coco Cay. Uh, one thing I didn't like about it, and I feel stupid for saying this, but there wasn't enough shade. Like it's, I almost feel like the cruise line wants you to buy an umbrella or buy a bungalow or a cabana to get out of the sun. Uh, and I'm sure that's strategic on their part. But there isn't a lot of shade um, unless you're under the eating pavilions mm-hmm. uh, or a palm tree, which there's not really that many there either. But other than that, we did snorkeling, and we uh, it was $40 per person. And we did like this treasure hunt snorkel, which is pretty cool. There's a, a coral reef there with a bunch of brain coral. There is a sunken airplane and kind of a trail you can do. So that was really cool. Um, it's a tender port, so the ship anchors, and it's about a 20-minute tender ride each mm-hmm. way. Uh, otherwise, I, I like the island. It's quite comparable to Norwegian's island or Half Moon K, but I'll always love Half Moon K, Carnival and Holland America's island the best, just because of the sand and just the location and just, yeah, it's, it's an awesome island. Okay, fair enough. And then your second port was Nassau, which I know you've been to a gazillion times. So Mm -hmm. did you even bother getting off the ship this time or did you stay on board? Yeah, we did. You know, I always find myself getting off the ship in Nassau. A lot of people say, oh, we've been there so many times. We won't even get off the ship. But I I just love being around the people and love just walking around. So uh, I got off the ship and went and got a water taxi and it's $8 round trip. And it took us from the cruise pier over to Atlantis. Spent about an hour at Atlantis in the casino and walking around and stuff like that. Went back to the ship and then had lunch on the ship and then went to Junkanoo Beach. It's a free beach, which is about a 15-minute walk, kind of past Senior Frogs in Nassau, Bahamas. Uh, Actually, it's right next to the Fat Tuesdays. So we did that. And, uh, yeah, you know, we just kind of mingled around, went to the straw market. All the stuff that people say we've been there a million times, I like to make it a million and one. Gotcha. Okay. All right. So uh, you obviously didn't have a sea day on this itinerary, but how was your onboard experience? Let's start with uh, what I think is, of course, the most important thing, and that would be the food. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The food was was good. 
I wouldn't say the food was awesome, but it was good. It was consistent. The service was good. Our server was Michael was really, really cool. And on top of it, uh, one night we wanted to get in and get out really quick. And he was just like, boom, boom, boom. Um, you know, your typical appetizer, salad, soup, and then entree and dessert. Yeah, so the main dining room was really good. And if we're talking about the buffet area, not my favorite part of a ship, the buffet, um, on any cruise line. So that didn't really stand out. I, I really I did the salad bar a couple of times up there. And then the breakfast was good. I didn't eat breakfast in the main dining room. I always ate it in the Windjammer, which is Royal Caribbean's buffet. And, of course, it had, like, tons of bacon, so I was in heaven up there. Um, <laughs> and then where else? Uh, Sorrento's was on there, and that was the free pizzeria. That was solid, you know. I still think Princess has the best pizza, but maybe absolutely, a, yeah, maybe a close <laughs> second for Royal Caribbean. There, uh, they had Johnny Rockets on there. We didn't eat on there or eat in Johnny Rockets, but it was five ninety five, and it was all you can eat off the menu for five ninety five. So if you wanted to eat five burgers, you could for five ninety five, but we didn't do that. There was really no. They had a, a, a kind of a, a makeshift specialty restaurant in there. They have a deli on there called the Compass, and they had a Mexican style restaurant. For like twelve ninety five at night that you could, but we didn't even go to that because we were just content with the main dining room. And I should mention that we had late dining, and late dining on Royal Caribbean is nine p.m. Okay, wow, very late then. Mm -hmm. Now, do they offer like anytime or freestyle kind of dining at all? They do. I think it's called anytime dining, and we we would have done it, but it books up really really quick. And uh, a quick note, if someone is looking for anytime dining, you do have to prepay your gratuities if you want to do that. Uh, but otherwise, it's totally worth it. You can dine between, I think it's 5.30 and 10 o'clock. Okay. But there weren't any other um, specialty restaurants on board? No, ship? no, no it's, it's pretty stripped. I mean, it's basically just buffet, two main dining rooms, Sorrento's and Johnny Rockets and the Compass Deli. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. How about entertainment? Did you uh, did they have shows, comedians? What was the nightlife like besides drinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was definitely that, and then there was. We actually went to a comedian juggler. I don't know how you would say that, a comedic juggler maybe, but he was really, really funny, and he was juggling everything from machetes to eggs to bowling balls, and then he did some like audience interaction stuff. Didn't go to the the show. It was like a seventies type show, a song and dance type thing. I forgot we were doing something. I think I was doing interviews actually during that time so we missed that piano bar we walked through there not much happening but that was going on and then the atrium bar we actually the atrium bar they had a band there and it was really cool because they would bring people up like if you wanted to sing with the, the main uh singer on there you could go up there and we heard some really really cool tunes just passengers singing with the uh the people in the atrium bar so that was really cool so overall i i thought the entertainment was awesome on there and uh, back to you said a booze cruise they have a pretty cool package too if you want to just drink beer for 35 dollars a day you could uh, get that for the course of the cruise and stick strictly to beer or i think it goes up to like 55 dollars if you want premium or 65 dollars a day for premium anything you want all you can drink so they have a pretty good package for that as well Okay. What kind of a stateroom did you have on this ship? I booked a guarantee, so I didn't really know what I was going to get. And I actually didn't get my cabin assignment until three days before the cruise. I booked a interior guarantee, and it wound up being a, a porthole, so I guess ocean view. Mm -hmm. And it was in the front of the ship, deck three, 
Cabin 3016. And it's been a little while since I sailed on a Sovereign class ship. And maybe it's because I'm older now. But uh, it seemed really, really small. I mean, I want to say it was like 120 (laughs) square foot. Just enough room where the beds were literally touching the wall. Uh, so you couldn't really walk on the side of the bed. You had to kind of had to scoot yourself off the end of the bed to get off. But there was a nice little table on one side, your typical vanity area with two plugs, and your bathroom. There was, there was plenty of storage, I will say that. There was one, two, three places for hangers, and then like seven or eight shelves in there in the safe. So overall, it was a little tight, but then again, I knew what I was getting myself into. And it was only for three nights. Exactly, so. yeah. Yeah. Okay. What uh, what kind of pools does the ship have? The ship has two pools. They're both located on deck 11 and it's like a pool and then a two hot tubs and then a pool on the other side of that. And it's kind of like a kiddie pool and an adult pool together. There's a big gate. So it separates the hmm. kiddie pool and the, uh, and the adult pool. And I'm not a big fan of swimming in pools on ships anyway. But just the fact that the kiddie pool and the adult pool were kind of linked together with the whole diapers and all that just wasn't – it didn't sit well with me. So I did put my feet in the water a couple of times, but that's about it. Gotcha, gotcha. Any other notable uh, features or amenities that this ship has? Let me see. Uh, it's really cool viewing areas, I will say. Like if you're a sail-away person, uh, up on the top of the ship, it's wide open. In fact, I think there's like two decks – in the front of the ship where you can just get basically 360 degree views, maybe 270 of uh, watching the ship's leave. And then deck seven, it's a really quiet area, but it's where the jogging track is, but it's huh. all the way around the ship. You can run. So that's kind of a nice little area on the ship as well. So in summary, um, if somebody was looking at booking uh, a Bahamas itinerary such as this, would you, uh, would you recommend uh, Majesty of the Seas? I would. I, you know, I was actually thinking that. And I was thinking I might just do it again, but do a four-night because the four-night actually hits Key West as well. So it goes Coco Cay, Nassau, Key West, and back to Miami. I would probably do it off-season where there wasn't a lot of kids. I mean, they have a great kids program on board, but not having kids, I don't really care to be around them. Yeah, so, totally understand. <laughs> yeah, so with with that said, it's just, you know, when I like to lay by the pool or have a drink or whatnot, I, I don't want to get splashed or cannonballs and all that. But otherwise, I, I would I would book Majesty again. And I, I can't wait because she's getting renovations next year. And then she's going up to Port Canaveral, which is just down the street from my house. Well, I say down the street, it's like two hours from here versus five and a half down to Miami. So that's kind of cool as well. Yeah, that just was recently announced because they were going to uh, move this ship to what to another sister line. Yeah, it was going uh, to Palmentier, and then they just made the announcement last Monday saying they're going to keep this ship. They're going to upgrade it with high speed complimentary Wi Fi, like three or four restaurants, put a water slide on the ship, and uh, some other interior things, and add the DreamWorks program on board. So they're going to make it kind of a, uh, I guess, a small vision class type ship. Oh, that's an extensive, kind of an extensive dry dock Then yeah. sounds like they're planning. Yeah, totally. So do you have any tips for for, uh, for your listeners about either uh, Bahamas uh, cruising or this uh, this particular ship? I would say, and this goes not just for this ship, but for any time you cruise, prepay your gratuities. It was sickening to me how many people were in line last night removing gratuities off their bill. Mm. It's just, it just, nothing burns me up more than seeing people taking gratuities off after the crew has busted their butt and, and they try to be sneaky about it and wait until the very last end you know the, the last part of the cruise or 11 p.m that night to do it so prepay your <laughs> gratuities uh if you're in 
Coco K, I would suggest maybe getting an umbrella. Or if you want to snorkel, um, maybe go to Walmart and pick up a snorkel and a mask because they're going to charge you $40 if you're on the island. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me see. What else? Nassau. You know, if, if you don't have the money for an excursion, spend the $8 per person round trip and take the water taxi over to Atlantis. It's kind of like a mini excursion in itself. And on the ship, I would say book anytime dining and book it early. Book it soon as you book your cruise because it will sell out. The dining room was tight, and the only thing that's left by the end of the cruise is going to be 9 p.m. dining. And I'm not used to eating at 9 p.m. I mean, I'm good with an 8 o'clock dining time, but 9 seemed to drag on till almost 11 o'clock sometimes. So that's a little too late for a fat guy like myself. <laughs> Well, that's a great uh, a great collection of tips there, uh, and nothing that I wouldn't expect from uh, Doug Parker of Cruise Radio. Thank you, Kristen. And by the way, this whole being interviewed thing's a lot harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I stumped you with a few questions. Then we know you can't go on every single cruise, so we do it for you. Find over 200 ship reviews and money saving tips at cruiseradio.net or search Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio. Promotional consideration by Hilton Garden Inn for Lauderdale Airport Cruise Port. Where you can park and cruise or take advantage of the shuttle service. Located at 180 Southwest 18th Avenue, Dania, Florida. And when you stay there, tell me you heard about it on Cruise Radio. Call 954-924-9204 or go to hgiflllairport.com. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Overseas Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.